We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. David Lowe says, what do y'all think would lead to the title more? Audric Estime with 1,500 rushing yards or any receiver with 1,000 receiving yards? I'd say the receiver with 1,000 yards. Yeah, I think Notre Dame could be 8-4 and and Audric rushes for 1,500 yards. It's possible, yeah. I mean, the two starting running backs last year, actually your your, your top three running backs last year rushed for over 2,100 yards, Ryan. You know, yeah. and so – also, you know, also, things behind Audric probably weren't great if he had to run for 1,500 yards, right? Maybe right. Jadarian didn't get back fully healthy. Maybe yeah. Jeremiah Love wasn't quite ready. Like, right. I think there's a lot of question marks if the if the former hits there, but if the if the latter hits there, I have confidence that Nurim is going to be able to run the ball very well this year. Right. So if you had a thousand yard receiver and you just have a potent passing attack, I'm like, bang, man, this offense could be yeah. really good if that's the right. that's the scenario that we have. Agree, because. Audrey going for 15 doesn't mean that the receiving core is going to be good. If the receiving core goes off, I have no yeah. doubt the run game is still going to be good. Right. And that, that might I, mean yeah. if, if, again, if it's the former, that would also mean that maybe you weren't able to throw the ball at all. Really, right. <laughs> Like you're just like, man, we got to grind stuff out because this is not right. what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Next question from Carlos Garzat. I'm sure I'm wrong, but I feel like USC relies heavily on the transfer portal instead of recruiting. You are correct. Can you realistically build a program like that? P.S. I'm an Irish fan all the way. I have my doubts because we haven't seen it, right? right. I mean, if not you, if you, no, we haven't seen it at, at, to me at all. As far as uh, to me, relying to winning a championship, I mean, Georgia has barely touched the transfer portal. Like, bare, they've lost more than they've added. They've barely yeah. touched the transfer portal. Ohio State's barely touched the transfer portal. I mean, they they'll they'll find a fill a hole here. You know, hey, we got to fill a hole at left tackle. Let's go get a left tackle. You know, we need to add a little depth in the tackle. You know, we need a nickel. Let's go get a nickel. They're not they're not loading up with transfer team players. Ohio State di- or Alabama dipped into the portal hard last year, and I think Nick Saban's probably regretting that a little bit because some of the headaches that some some of the guys that came over from the portal have. The teams that are competing for championships so in the last two years are not teams that, that loaded up on portals. Now, we've seen teams have quick turnarounds with the portal, Michigan State, yep. USC. But with Michigan State, we also saw them absolutely collapse the next year, right, 100%. because they couldn't do it again. USC will find out. I mean, you know, look, my thing is, did USC win because last year because they went and got 25 portal guys, or did they win last year because they got Caleb Williams? Right? I mean, that's – that's my thing. Like, did Jordan Addison really make their offense better than Mario Whip? They were already loaded at receiver. They still would have put up similar numbers if they didn't get all those receivers. So, you know, that that's my question is, can you can you build a team that way? We don't have evidence that you can build a team that way and win a championship. We don't know that yet. Now, we do know that you can you can turn it around and win. It, I guess would be that would be my objective. And, and I would say if you're smart and you're like Lincoln Riley, you, you know, you use the portal your first two years, then start really – ramping up your high school recruiting. It doesn't look like he's necessarily doing that. I mean, it still looks like they're going to rely heavily on the portal with when you look at what they're doing in their their current recruiting class, Ryan. Uh, so I, I don't know if he plans on changing that. I think he plans on just getting some top-level high school kids, like you know, like the kids they got last year, Deuce Robinson, and, and they got um, uh, the branch kid who's really good. But you look at their 24 class, they have three kids committed in their 2024 class. That's it. Not yep. a single lineman, not a single – Two receivers and a corn and a running back. That's it. That's all I got. So and they, I and, uh, they had, and they had Jason Robinson, but obviously he committed from right. them. So he they right. also another wide receiver. <laughs> to your point. So I just don't know that you can really have that kind of continuity there. I mean, because we asked what, what were we asked the other day, right? What's what's USC's record last year if they got all those portal guys except for one, Caleb Williams? Yeah. I don't think they're that good. They're six and six, seven and five, eight and four at best. But they're not a, a win over Utah away from being in the playoff. I that I strongly believe in, right? Yeah. And so, but if any team's going to do it, it's going to be it's going to be USC because it's such a unique situation. It really is. Um, yeah, I I just still feel like the portal has to be to win a championship. The portal has to be let's go out and find that impact player or two or fill a hole or two but you're still building a program from high school because that's how the continuity, the unity, the culture of your program is established. And I think that more than anything is Lincoln Riley's biggest failures, his biggest failure at Oklahoma. He, I don't think he has ever understood that the importance of building a culture in your football program. He has always just been about acquisition of talent and scheme. And it's never been about the culture, which is why I would argue they have had, defenses with a good amount of NFL talent be terrible under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. 
Why? Because your culture's a problem. It's not that your talent's the problem. Like, how many years have we seen them? What was his last year, Ryan? Didn't they have like six kids get drafted from yeah. that defense? Something like that. They were yeah. awful. So is that really a talent problem or a culture problem? Well, that's it's a, a culture problem. Yeah, and you know it's also what I mean? keeping Alex Grinch for whatever problem but, as well. But <laughs> but but that's that's part of it, though, right? Sure. I mean, Alex Grinch had some pretty good defenses at Washington State. So, so my question is, Alex Grinch did nothing different at Oklahoma than the previous defensive coordinators did at Oklahoma. I'm not a big Alex Grinch fan. He didn't do very well at Ohio State either. My point, however, is, is he really that bad? Or is, the, is that just kind of what it's always going to be if you're a defensive coordinator for Lincoln Riley? You know, but also, if you were someone who valued – the culture and the defense in that way, then you wouldn't have him as long as you've had him. If he is that bad, that's the other part of it, you know? Sure. So, I, but I'm that's what, that. that's where I think he's, a, he's going to be a, just, I don't know if he's got it. He's going to have to change if he's going to want to win a championship. I'm not saying he's not capable of it. His offensive mind is capable of winning a championship. Is he capable of winning as a head coach? That's a much different question. Sure. Much different question. Yeah, and I think and, that the sustain the sustainability is always what I come back to with this type of question. You're not I, I don't think you're gonna consistently year in and year out be that team that can compete for championships and that can continuously win ten plus games, compete for a conference championship. Like I, I don't think that I think similarly to the NFL free agency structure of it can hit well for a year, but then what's gonna happen the next year? What's happened when there's so much turnover and turmoil and all that great stuff. So I think the sustainability is just never going to be there in that structure. I agree with that. Agree. Next question from Wicked Bronco Productions. More, more of a more of a comment in the super yes. chat. Yeah. Thank you again for the super chat. It says it just makes me laugh hearing them call Kyle McCord a top five quarterback in college football already because he threw for six touchdowns against Akron. Could he be good? Yes. But Ohio State fans saying he's better than Stroud is delusional. Pine would have six touchdowns versus. Akron. Oh, people are, are there that? actually are, people, are there actually people saying that? Like I've literally Archer, never heard Archer. I, we I, need you, man. Yeah. We know you're on like Ohio State message boards and stuff. Are there and and we know this? that you'll call Ohio State fans out. Are there actually people saying this? Like other than Twitter? Because I mean, look, guys, if if we were to use Twitter things that P- Notre Dame fans say on Twitter, it, if we took all the stupid things that some Notre Dame fans say on Twitter, it would make all of us look really bad. Like really bad. So I I you know, maybe there's a couple people on Twitter, but I've never heard that. I've never heard anyone that I know that follows Ohio state say that he's better than CJ Stroud. And, and the whole thing about pine would throw six touchdowns against Akron, bro, drew pine lost at home to Stanford. So, so no, no, um, not drew pine lost Notre Dame's team with drew pine at quarterback lost at home to Stanford. So no, he wouldn't have thrown for six touchdowns against Akron, but I, I haven't heard anybody say that, honestly. And if they are saying that, that's crazy. But I, I honestly haven't heard anybody say that. And I've never heard anyone say he's going to be a top five quarterback either. The, the most I've heard about the Kyle McCord, Devin Brown stuff is that I think Ohio State fans are pretty confident that they'll get production out of the quarterback position because sure. they always have. So whoever yeah, their quarterback sure. is going to be, is going to throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Yes. Will he be good? Will it be result in winning? I don't know. But he's going to put up numbers. And Kyle McCord is a top 100 recruit. Devin Brown's a top 100 recruit. These aren't bums. I yes. don't think they're going to be as good as CJ Stroud, but if Notre Dame, if Ohio State's coaches are smart, they won't ask him to be, and that's yep. going to be the difference. Should look different. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I, I literally have not heard that. It'd be kind of interesting Same. if it was, but yeah, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. Next questions from Irish Burnt Ends eighty four. 
Burn ends are great, by the way. Any chance we take all three remaining Viper targets, Elijah Rushing, Malachi Williams, Logan Thomas, if they all wanted to commit? I get that it's not likely, but we can dream, can't we? I'd have a hard time dream. taking all three. You can dream. I, yes. I, I, yeah, I, because now that gets you up to seven defensive linemen, and I think that's too much in a class. I, I yeah. especially since it's all like it's all at one position, like. So Three you've vipers. got, yeah, yeah. Like if you got, let's say you had Cole Mullins, Bryce Young, uh, Elijah Rushing, and Logan Thomas, and then let's say you had a commitment from like Owen Wafel, and let's just say Brandon Davis Swain was still in the class, and you kind of viewed him as a three technique. I, I'm 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 going to seven because I'm taking Justin Scott, right? Right. But I've balanced my class out. I've now got four ends and three interior guys. But the way that he's, I mean, to get to those three, that's the five ends in one class. And that's too many and to me. Yeah. That's 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 bad roster management. Now, I understand people say, you take them and you figure it out. I, I know that, I'll say it again. I know that's easy to say, but it's not practical. It's, it's not practical. You have to have some semblance of, there comes a point in time where we just, we're, we're, we're overdoing it at a position and it doesn't help us. And uh, that would be that. But, man, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to tell any of those kids no, Ryan, would, any of them. It would be. But at yeah. some point in time, you kind of have to. I think if it was going to happen, if it was going to happen, though, it would be because Thomas and Williams want to come first. And they say yes, and then rushing decides he wants to come later. That would be the only oh, way it could happen. Man. Oh, man. But I just don't, I don't see it. I just don't but see yes, it. But, yes, you're allowed to dream. You can dream. Yeah. And that this is the great time for it, honestly. I mean, that's that's the fun about it. That's the fun, and I don't find having the conversation. I'm just saying practically, it's it's just not really smart. But God, how, who do you tell no to at that point? In time? I mean, come on, it'd be tough. Be tough. Yeah. Next question from John Mayernich: Does Notre Dame go to the portal next season for a quarterback again? Next year, he will have three quarterbacks with zero experience. Okay. Um, Ohio State won a lot of games with a guy that started with zero experience. I mean, look, I get it, right? First of all, he, he won't have three quarterbacks with zero experience because somebody's going to play snaps, right? How much experience did Bryce Young have going into the next year? And again, okay, I get it. He Those are big-time players, but Notre Dame's going to have a couple big-time players. It just depends on how those guys progress, honestly, Ryan. I mean, it just – how does Kenny Minchie and Steve Angeli progress during the season? And I think Kenny Minchie is going to be the one that determines this question. I think Kenny Minchie and how he – because if Steve Angeli – you know, I I just have not heard anything that makes me – or seen anything that makes me believe that if Steve Angeli has a good year, that all of a sudden there's just this belief that he's going to be the guy. I just – I don't see it. I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. I just don't see it. I think Kenny Minchie really taking a big step this year and saying between him and Angeli and CJ Carr, we feel good about it. Uh, I think that's going to have a big impact on, on what they do. The other part of it too, Ryan, is who's who's in the portal. Right. Because there may be some guys in the portal. You're like, yeah, I love Kenny Minchie, but, but how do I say no it, to that? It's probably always going to happen too, right? Like there's probably right. going to be a couple of guys that you're like, yeah, that guy's pretty good, man. That guy's pretty good. I mean, and, and it, most of those guys won't be interested in Notre Dame. But if, like, let's sure. just say that there is that guy that jumps in the portal, another like, Sam Hartman type, like, yeah, or, yeah, or or a Drake May, uh, you know, uh, um, 
know, let's say Drew Aller has a lights out year and decides he wants, you know, I've always wanted to be at Notre Dame. Uh, who knows, man? I mean, it just, <laughs> there's so much to go into it, but you know, I, it, it's just too early to know for sure, but it just, again, for Notre Dame, if Kenny Minchie has a really good year development wise, then I think you could feel better about not going into the portal for a starter. Yeah. I think sure. at that point in time, it'd be going to the portal more for depth at that point in time. Because I do think there's a need for a veteran who is okay not being the guy next year. Sure. Uh, and then the other part of it is how does CJ look as a senior, right? I mean, that's the other part of it is does he improve his game to the point where you're like, okay, we think he can help us as a freshman. That's a part of it as well. But Kenny Minchie's going to be the key, in my opinion. I agree. Next question is from Ray Holcraft. It says, how good is Mario Williams out of USC? Talented. Just hey, he's athletic. He's athletic. I mean, I, th- I think Mario's still learning how to be a wide receiver. He's very talented. He's fast. He's he's quick. He's got That's some really- Hollywood. He's got some Hollywood Brown in this game. Yeah. He's just not a natural pass catcher like the way that I thought he would be. And, and he just, I, I think there's, I think they're having a hard time finding that fit, but he's going to, I wouldn't be sure. He's going to, have a shot to break out at some point in time, Ryan. I mean, I, I, I do. I just, I wonder if, if Lincoln Riley's going to have the patience for it, but it wouldn't shock me if he's their number one or number two receiver this year at USC. Hey, yeah. Dorian uh, Springer or whatever. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't shock me. He's talented. He just, he's athletic, talented. He just hasn't put it all together yet. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. He didn't take the jump as a sophomore that I thought he was going to in year one yeah. at USC, but we shall see. A- agree. Agree. We got a two-parter here, Ryan. Dan V says, what are your thoughts on some of the kids that Joe Rudolph is recruiting? I saw Gerby Lambert scheduled an official, but outside of that, there seems to be an emphasis on lower-ranked recruits. Is that him just expanding the board, or is there a cause to be concerned? Well, I don't have a cause to be concerned yet, Ryan, but I'm not going to act like I'm completely confident and comfortable with everything that we've seen on the offensive line. Sure. But there's a couple things that factor into it why I'm not overly concerned yet. Number one is there just aren't a lot of really good offensive linemen in the country this year. And when there are so few, then the ones that are really good are going to be highly coveted because yes. there's a shortage, right? It's supply and demand. It, I mean, it's it, the same supply and demand that people should understand in economics is also true in, in recruiting. If, if, 20 teams need a big-time quarterback, but there's only five big-time quarterbacks. Guess what? They're going to get into a bidding war. You know, and 15, and, guys, and, 15 teams aren't going to get a good quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's part of it this year for me, Ryan, is, is – and it's not a great offensive line year in sort of traditionally pro-Notre Dame areas. Like, I'm not a big Kevin Haywood fan. I'm okay Notre Dame not pushing for him. Um, but, I mean, Grant Bricks is a pretty highly ranked guy. They're after him. So, so, you know, he's a guy that I would say um, is, is not, I, I would say outside of Lambert, I, I think there's, he's another highly ranked guy. Peter Jones is, was highly ranked until he committed to Notre Dame, but rivals even still has him in the top hundred. Yeah. Um, so I think the Anthony Knapp thing is just about Joe Rudolph worked the kid out multiple times in person at camps and fell in love with him and just fell in love yeah. with him. I don't think that good, Ryan. Oh, no, I was just going to say that also I think a part of that, because I think we're always going to link Anthony Knapp and Caleb Brewer together a little bit. But you do have to remember, Dan, in this scenario, to your question, 
Caleb Brewer is not a very highly ranked football player An- either. Anthony He's Knapp's ranked star. higher. Yeah. Anthony Knapp is actually ranked higher than 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 uh, than Caleb Brewer because there's one recruiting service that has Anthony Knapp ranked really high, and that's on yeah. three. Uh, they have him as a as the number two hundred five player in the country. Now everybody else has him as a three star, and and I have him as a three and a half star. And uh, that ranking would be a three star. Where I have him would be a three star if I was on the same system as the other recruiting services. But I mean, no nobody has Caleb Brewer as a four star, so you you can't really say that. You're it's a good point, Ryan. But I mean, look if you get if you get Grant Bricks and and gear and Peter Jones and Anthony Knapp in your recruiting class, you've got two guys that I believe are ranked as top hundred recruits by at least one recruiting service. Correct? Yep. Isn't yeah? You know, Bricks is ranked in the top hundred by On Three and ESPN. So, um. I think what you're seeing is they're out visiting a lot of underranked linemen because they're just they're doing their due diligence more than yeah. anything. But you look at the 25 class, Ryan. There's a lot of very highly ranked and highly regarded linemen that have offers right now that they're going. Owen Strebig's a guy. They're going. I don't David know what his ranking is. is now, but it better yeah. be high. They're going after yeah. him. Uh, I believe Avery Gack. Yes. I would assume Adam is a highly Michigan. ranked guy. I don't know Should what his be. ranking because I yeah he's I'm looking at now he's consistent. Everybody has him in the top 250. Uh, I'm curious what Owen Strebig's ranking is because it, I, I mean, it should be very high. I, I think he's me. a four star, but yeah. at least a couple. So. On three has him number 47. Everyone has him as a yeah. four star. Rivals doesn't have him in the top 250, but he's 47 on on three, 133 on 247, 120 on ESPN. He's a top 100 player for me, Ryan. I, that kid's flat out a top He's a massive player. man. He's a massive kid. So, you know, so I just think, I think what's happening is, is it's the combination of this is the first year of Joe Rudolph being here. And he just happens to be here in a year where it's not a good line year. So they got to offer some kids that maybe are under the radar kids. And so then it's like, uh oh, is this all he's doing? And there's that concern. But in reality, it's like there aren't a whole lot of guys to offer that are big time guys that don't want money. Right. You know, and 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 that's where you're at. So it's just it's just it's it's more bad timing, I would say, than than me necessarily being overly concerned because he recruited some highly ranked guys to Wisconsin. He, he fought a like a dog to get Billy Trout. You know what I mean? He got yeah. Logan Brown from Illinois, Nolan Rucci from Pennsylvania. He's a top 100 guy. Uh, so um, he Chuck didn't Nelson just get projects. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. He didn't just get projects at Wisconsin and turn them into you know all big-time players. He, he went after some big-time players. He just didn't always land them all because it's still Wisconsin. You know, and so uh, – but, I mean, they had three top 250 kids in Wisconsin the year four, and it's they lost on two of them. But it's not because – he didn't want them. They just yeah. they had a bad year, and then he got let go. And Notre Dame and Ohio State out recruited him. But um, I just think it's bad timing. It's a it's Dan. It's a very fair question because I see what you see. I just think in context, it doesn't worry me yet. Yeah, I'm worried about his ability to close Ryan, but I'm not worried about you know whether or not he can identify guys and go after top guys because that's what we're seeing him do in the 25 class so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to your point, if he ends up with Gerby Lambert and Grant Bricks to go along with Peter Jones and Anthony Knapp, you're like, that's good. Sure, it's a good class. In, good in, class. in like, this oh. year, and for yes. for because the thing is, oh, too, Dan, class is, for this year, we Very have been class. saying this for months. We have been saying this when Harry Heastan was the O line coach that this is guys, this is not a good year on offensive line. Which yeah. is if Gearby decides to commit that weekend and no other linemen are committed, it would not be shock me completely if Notre Dame just shut it down and said we're taking three. Right now, I think they really like Grant Briggs, so I think they would still probably take him, but he's a top 100 kid, you know. So, 
Uh, it's just not a good offensive line year, it, especially at tackle. It, it's really a thin year in offensive tackles. So really, yeah. some of the better guys out there, Ryan, are projects that I like. There's been a couple guys I've looked at where I'm like, you know, this kid got some ceiling, but he's a question mark. You know, there's a lot of that in this year's class. There's just not a lot of Monroe Freeling, Samson Okanlolas, no. Charles Jagasals in this class. There just aren't many of them. There really aren't. Last year was a great tackle class. Like it a was. really good tackle class. <laughs> And luckily, uh, you got arguably the best one last year. So, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, Ryan, let's get to a few more of these here. Um, Next question we go. is from Matt McCarthy. He says, are you worried that Ohio State has the final official visit for Kingston? The same thing happened with Jason Moore last year. Do you think that helped Ohio State or did Al Washington just not close on Jason Moore? Al Washington didn't close on Jason Moore. I mean, we've seen this hat. We've seen this hurt Notre Dame before. I mean, Nick Singleton, I think his last visit being at Penn State hurt Notre Dame with him, but we've seen other times where it didn't matter. I, I, I think with Kingston Ryan, he's been to so, both of these schools so much that I don't think a visit is going to like, if he, if he's decided Notre Dame is where he wants to be, I don't think a visit at Ohio State's going to matter, nor would it be reversed if Notre Dame had the last visit and he just like Ohio State's where he wanted to be. It's yeah. like I've seen people say, well, you know, he Dallin Hayden went to Ohio State after Notre Dame. Well, what happened there was not that they had the last visit. He was all set to go to Notre Dame. And then the Notre Dame position coach at the time started bad-mouthing Tony Alford, not knowing that the family loved Tony Alford. He was still going to pick your school over Ohio State, but the only reason they really liked Ohio State is they had a great relationship with Tony Alford. And he starts bad-mouthing Tony Alford. And it was like, I don't play for some guy that's good. Because Tony Alford has never bad-mouthed Notre Dame. So it's like, well, I'm gonna play for that. Really, that was the thing that kind of swayed it in the opposite direction. Um, you know, so to me, you've been on these kids so long that I don't yeah. think a final visit, the timing of the visit, is going to have a big impact. I really don't think. And and there's been a bunch of kids that we've seen that that Notre Dame was not their last visit, and they still yeah. got them. Uh, I, it, it just really, it's about the relationship going in. And I also think it's very dependent on the kid as well right like there's some kids that are impulsive that the last visit like oh man that was amazing i'm gonna commit right but then there's other kids and i think kingston's like this kingston mm-hmm. is incredibly thorough well thought out and not incredibly emotional <laughs> like he's not yep. like he's one of those kids that is just trying to find the best fit for him so i wouldn't even expect him to make a, an impulse decision like a day or two after his official visit like i would imagine like a full week of just Let's sit down and let's talk with the family and everybody around you, the support system. He just doesn't seem like an impulsive kid to me in any way. Agree. Agree. It would surprise me. If he pit now, does that mean he's going to pick Notre Dame over Ohio State? I'm not saying that. Not, not what that means. If he picks Ohio State, I don't think it'll be because of the timing of the visit. It'll be because Ohio State made a better final pitch. Yes. That's down the stretch and on the visit. It'll be that, not the timing. Agree. In my opinion. Next question is from Katie Keevers. Says, how do you take the portal safety into account recruiting-wise since he has multiple years left? It doesn't matter at all. It, you, it doesn't change my numbers factor at all. The only thing it changes from a standpoint, Katie, is I, it, there's not as much of a need of a guy that's coming to play right away. Yeah. But here's a couple things about the transfer. Now, again, we don't know that he's going to pick Notre Dame. Right now, Notre Dame's got work to do because there's other schools that he has higher on their board. All right, Ryan, you've, you've mentioned this. That Yes. The other thing, too, is Notre Dame's recruiting him to play a position he hasn't played before. It's, so it's two parts about that. Number one is, are they able to convince him of that? And number two, is he going to be good at safety? 
We don't necessarily know the answer to that. I no, like I what I see on film of him projecting to safety. I think he fits. He'd fit well there, but we don't know. But also, you also take into account you don't. He's a, he'll be a senior with a potential for a fifth year. Correct, Ryan. You're not recruiting to replace sixth year, I believe. Okay, yeah. so he'll be a fifth yeah. with potential for a sixth. Then I, I believe so. Yeah, meaning to me, you don't necessarily recruit senior. You're not recruiting to replace seniors. You're recruiting to replace juniors and younger. Like that's how you're right. factoring in your depth chart. So it doesn't affect it all numbers wise. It just gives you maybe a little bit of leeway on if you don't get a higher floor guy that's ready to play right away, it doesn't crush you as long as you get high ceiling guys. But it doesn't – Oh, big picture, that's a small thing. Big picture, I, it shouldn't change their safety thoughts at all. They need to be hammering for the best players they can get. And it, it wouldn't even necessarily – you know, it might make me say maybe I don't go to four, right, if he does have – since he does have multiple yeah. years. Yeah. But you still need to get to the three for sure. In my view, no doubt, no doubt. Next question is from Antoine Porsche, Porsche, Rideau. Porsche. Yeah, there you Porsche. go. Rideau. Brian, yeah. would you need, would Notre Dame need to get us at, at safety if we get a commitment from the safety visiting today? So that kind of fills into question. it. Yeah. It doesn't change anything for me. Um, you know, again, Notre Dame's got a lot of work to do on that one, but it yeah. doesn't change anything for me at all. In, in those areas we just discussed. Next question is from Beef Eater and D08, a.k.a. Toe Jam 1992. Hello, IB family. If Notre Dame and URC, USC are both undefeated when they meet and Notre Dame wins, does Caleb Williams still win the Heisman or does Hartman become the favorites? Well, see, I, if I'm going to be consistent, right, I don't. I think the, the Heisman trophy should not be who the best quarterback or offensive skill guy on the best team. That's not what it should be. To me, if the best player in college football is on a six and six team, he should be the Heisman Trophy winner, and that's how that's how I feel it should be, right? And yeah. so, if I'm going to be consistent, what I believe to be the, the what the Heisman Trophy should be about the most outstanding player, and if Caleb Williams is still the better player than Sam Hartman, even if Sam Hartman's team and Sam Hartman plays a big role in the team winning, but Caleb Williams is still the the better quarterback, then I'm still giving Caleb the Heisman at that point in time, if that's what it comes down to, if it's those two guys yeah. where it would have a big impact for me is if, is if Caleb just plays terrible that game and Sam lights the world on fire, then that could have a big say, right? Like, you know, Hey, you went into Notre Dame stadium and, and laid an egg. Okay. Right. Well, maybe you're not the most outstanding player if you're doing that. Right. I mean, that's, that's the other part of it too, but I'm a believer that the Heisman Trophy is awarded to the most outstanding player over the course of what, uh, uh, based on what he did over the course of an entire season, not what he happened to do in a late October in, in South Bend. Now that's going to get a little extra weight because the most outstanding player needs to be the, at his best in the big games. And, and so that'll factor into it a little bit, but overall, Ryan, that kind of thing is, is it only sways me if it's neck and neck. Yeah. In in this case, I, you know, it, it, especially if USC is undefeated at that point in time, I mean, Caleb Williams is having a pretty good year. But the <laughs> yes. other part of it, too, is after that USC game, Notre Dame has Clemson, and that's about it as far as money games. Whereas that's when USC's schedule starts getting tougher. So yeah. Caleb's going to have a lot more money games to, to, to say. So I think that the, the Heisman Trophy will be more, will be more determined, in my opinion, Ryan by what those two teams do after that. 
So let's say Notre Dame wins, and let's say Notre Dame wins by 10, okay? Caleb plays okay, doesn't light the world on fire because Notre Dame's defense is just really harassing him, getting after it, and then Sam lights a crappy USC defense up. Let's say that happens. All right, so, okay, maybe maybe Sam, who, who also played great against Ohio State, maybe he's the leader now. A leader, yeah. Right? But coming out of that, you'd have a bye week, Pitt, at Clemson, bye week, Wake Forest at Stanford. There's not a lot of games where he's going to go out there and prove his worth after that. And let's be honest, human beings are emotional people who react to the what they've seen most recently. Let's just be honest. How many times have you heard people who actually are paid to give their opinion say, well, that happened back in September, like it was three years ago. You know what I mean? Like it's not even part of the same season. Oh, well, way back in September. You know, and, and whereas USC coming out of that Notre Dame game, they've got to play Utah. Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and then a rematch if they went out against either Oregon or somebody else. So you're going to have a lot more money games for for him coming out of that. So it would I would then say, well, Sam Hartman's chances at winning the Heisman Trophy come down to he's got to light up Clemson at that point in time, right? Now, if he goes out and lights up Clemson, then sure, yeah, now, now we're talking. But it would be more about that than it would be what he did against Caleb Williams. The, it, the Caleb Williams thing would be like the thing that gets him in that number one spot. It would be the Clemson game that determines it, right, for me. I, I, I hope we're having this conversation at some point. It'd be fun, season. right? I hope yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I just don't I don't see Caleb Williams winning the Heisman, though, this year. It's hard to repeat because now everybody's picking your game apart. You know, Archie so Griffin's still the only guy that ever did that, right? Yeah. Isn't he Back in the 70s. Repeat? Yeah. yeah. Back in the, and I mean, and you think Tim Tebow had like two cracks at it, didn't he? I think After so, yeah. he won it in 07 and, yes, um, he was and didn't get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard. It's hard to do, man. It really is. And, you know, and, and what does Drake may do? I mean, there's, and there's going to be guys in the Heisman trophy consideration this year that no one's ever even like thought of right now. You know, yep. that's just kind of how it is every year. And who, who thought going in November, Drake may was going to be in that conversation a year ago. Like, oh. you know, it just kind of the way it is. But I hope we are having that conversation going into Clemson. What does Sam Hartman need to do this weekend to secure his Heisman Trophy standing? That'd be a lot of fun. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a little while since we've had some Heisman conversation, man. You remember like the yeah. uh, Josh Adams and the 33 trucking caps yeah. they had yeah, and everything? Yeah. But. yeah. And then he didn't do much after that. He did so. not. He did no. not. The truck stopped after that one. The yeah. Truck stopped. Yeah. Next question from Conrad. He says, does Mitchell Evans have a chance to be on the top 10 list of tight ends by the end of the year? Sure. And, and you know, a we chance. forgot to talk about that, Ryan. We forgot to yeah. talk about that during the show because we were starting to get a little close on him. I was like, man, we got to hurry up and get out of here. Uh, he has a chance, and so does Holden Stace, in my opinion. It just kind of depends on, on who that number one guy emerges from a production standpoint. Right now, I would predict that to be Mitchell as long as he's healthy. Yeah. The the conversation Ryan and I had beforehand was one of three things is going to happen, right? A, Mitchell builds on what he did at the end of the bowl game and becomes number one guy, and the number one guy at Notre Dame is going to catch a lot of balls, and Sam Hartman is going to realize, like, hey, I like throwing to tight ends, you know, and we don't know if he does or not yet because he really didn't have a tight end in the bowl game, in the spring game, but he did make a really nice backside throw to Davis Sherwood for, so I was like, okay, maybe he's going to like that. Number two is Holden Stace becomes that guy. And he's the one that we're talking about. Or number three, they're both pretty good. And then that split production keeps both up, either keeps them both out of the top 10 right. tight end conversation. I could see that as well, but it would make it for a much better team at that point yes. in time. So yes, it would. 
Um, but it, could, does he have a chance to be on there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't put him on there now. He had three catches last year and they were all in the yep. bowl game. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a guy to have my eye on for sure. I just, my concern with him would be the same. And, and we didn't, we, we didn't t- get to this a receiver, you know, cause we were going to get into this, but man, we were going really long on time. Who's the Notre Dame guy receiver that could be that conversation? And to me, it's Jaden Thomas and Tobias Merriweather. None of them belong in the conversation now. But who could it be? I think it could be Jaden Thomas from a from a consistency, dependability, volume standpoint, or Tobias because he makes a bunch of big plays. He has 40 catches for 800 yards or something like that, right? I mean, I could see something like that. Those are the two guys that I think are receiver. But the other part of it too, Ryan, is if the ball gets spread around like you and I think it will this year based on, A, the offense that they're running, B, RPO-based offenses tend to spread the ball around a little bit more. And then C, just Sam Hartman has a history of spreading the ball around. Yeah, It could be hard for a tight end to get enough production to be in that conversation just because the other receivers are going to be getting so much attention as well. So it'll be interesting. But, yes, Mitchell, Mitchell will certainly have a shot. Certainly have a shot. This is a follow-up from that thing that we just said to Ryan. He said, "Fight, not, fighting Mike 87 said, if Williams wants a second Heisman, he's going to have to have USC at 12-0. Those voters just won't vote for the same guy uh, to win twice. I don't know how much Ohio State pays to protect Griffin, but it's been enough. Um, I mean, look, if he's the best guy, he should win it again, right? I yeah. mean, I, I agree with that. I don't I don't care. If, if you're the most outstanding player for three years in a row, you should win it three years in a row. I mean, just the reality of it. But, yes, you're correct. I mean, they're, I don't know if he has to have him at 12-0. But they've got to be, they got to be in that conversation, and he's going to have to be really good because they're going to pick his game apart. Numbers, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to pick his game apart big time this year. Definitely are. Yeah. And there's no doubt. And they'll find reasons to not like them, and just they do it every year. It just drives me nuts. But it it'll happen. It'll happen. Oh yeah, people hold everything against everybody nowadays. It's like even if he always doesn't have any, he doesn't have any of the shenanigans. But like, hey man, you remember last year when he painted his fingernails? Exactly. We we know we didn't hold it against him for last year's Heisman Trophy, but we're going to hold him against him for this year's. Yeah, Yeah. I I could see that. Makes a lot of sense. It's a joke. It's a it's an absolute joke, but I could see it. From Andre Tonso says, "Do you believe that uh, that Power Five conferences are too top heavy? I.e." SEC, Alabama, and Georgia. I will say this. I think they're too top-heavy for too long a period of time. Conferences have always been top-heavy, Ryan. I mean, there's never really been a time where there's like seven great teams in a conference. Even when the people said the SEC was that way, it wasn't. There's always been two to three at the top. What was different when I was younger, and this is how I felt, and, and, and and I could be wrong on this, but I felt like the the dynasties in a conference didn't last as long, right? Like it wasn't one team dominating a league year after year, or or one team dominate, you know, two teams dominating a league year after year. You know, like growing up, Ohio State and Michigan were almost always good, but there's yeah. always some other team that was popping up to knock them off. And Michigan State would have some really good years. Uh, Purdue would jump in there with some really good years. You know, then Wisconsin comes along and they had some some really good years. Uh, you know, and, and, but there was always, it was always sort of Michigan and Ohio state were always in the top of the conversation. Right. And so I, I think that there was always a little bit of that. And in, in my opinion, uh, again, it's, it's just the length is the issue that I have now a days is it just, it's, and the other thing that I have that, that bothers me a little bit more now than it used to is just 
there's no middle as much as in some of these leagues, like the ACC is like Clemson. And then there's no like next tier. There's like Clemson empty space. Then we get to some other teams was going on right. in the ACC too much, too long. Um, you know, but I mean, look, the SEC, for example, you say Alabama, Georgia, but the Georgia thing's new. It is. I mean, that's the last couple of years. They had that one good year in 17. And then like the next year, they weren't a playoff team. And then in 2019, they lost to South Carolina. It was like four and eight, right? I mean, it's the last two years. Bama's the only one that's been consistently good all the time. You had Ole Miss had a couple of years where they popped up, right? With um, Hugh Freeze, they beat Bama two years in a row. Uh, earlier in the decade, South Carolina was the best team in the East for like three out of four years. If you remember that was Spurrier. Uh, Missouri had a really good year. Remember Missouri played the SEC East Championship one year with uh, Gary Pinkle when they first came over. Yep. We've seen LSU win the – we've seen Auburn win the West a couple times. We've seen uh, LSU win the West. We've seen uh, – you know, so we've seen some of that. It's just Alabama's dominated in national championships. But, you know, th- th- they've not played in the – I mean, one of the years they won a championship, 17, Ryan, they didn't even play in the flipping conference championship game, right? So I couldn't – you can't say that they dominated the SEC that year. You, you just – they didn't. So – um but yeah, I would say I would say it's always been too top heavy. I just think there's less middle now, which is what kind of bothers me, Ryan. Is there's yeah. just and, and the rules now are so much more geared towards those top teams now. Just with the 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 way that it it's the transfer portal. I mean, you're not seeing starters from Alabama leaving to go to Vanderbilt for more playing time. You're seeing kids from Vanderbilt right. leaving to go to Alabama. I mean, that's going to make the strong stronger. It's going to make the exactly to your point. Exactly. And that's exactly what it's done. You know, it's, I mean, Jameer Gibbs goes to Georgia tech leaves to go to Alabama. I mean, it's not the other way around, right? The guys that are leaving Alabama to go to Georgia tech are the guys that those teams didn't want anymore. (laughs) Right. Or they were buried in the depth chart, right? Like who's the kid from uh, Georgia? Who's the kid that just committed to Georgia tech as a transfer? um, Oh, shoot. Give me a second. Just happened yesterday. I forget who it was. It just from gave Alabama? me one second. No, nah, it's from another school. It was, I don't think it was from Alabama. I I, I I thought it was a kid from Georgia. But, uh, yeah, Dominic Blaylock. Oh, yeah, well, the injury kid. Right, exactly. Because yep. he had been injured and kind of gotten passed up. It wasn't like he was their number two receiver last year, and he leaves to right. go to Georgia Tech. Mitchell leaves to go to Texas, another big-time program. And so it's a definitely a rich get richer type of situation. There's no doubt. Wait, next question from Matt Philippi said, if we had to lose just one game, which of the big three games would you want to lose? Ohio State, USC, or Clemson? Be Clemson for me, Zach, because that we've kind of slayed that dragon a little bit. You know, you haven't beaten mm-hmm. USC with Lincoln Riley yet, and you have not beaten Ohio State. So you had to slay the you already slayed the Clemson dragon, in my opinion. Yeah. Ryan, that's a really interesting one because there's two ways to look at this. Number one is exactly what you said, and you're spot on. Like, you need to slay that dragon, and I think you nailed it. I love that analogy. But then you say, okay, but if we're talking about the college football playoff, would it be better to lose to Ohio State than beat USC and beat Clemson because of the lateness of it? That would be the thing that I would I would like because I could see Notre Dame beating Ohio State and then them losing to Clemson and then the committee in, in ESPN using that as like a, well, you know, I know that you guys beat Ohio State, but that was all the way back in September. You know, right. recently they beat up Penn State. They beat Michigan. 
they'd probably beat you now. You know that kind. Of, you know how you know how that nonsense goes. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of my concern. Um, my concern. So like, if you're just talking about the timing of it, you'd almost say Ohio State or USC would be the better one to lose because then you could you could get the big wins afterwards. But you could then spin it. Well, if you beat USC and Clemson, they may say, well, you you really only played one true playoff contender, and they beat you at your place. So there's there's that too. But um, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I'm gonna cheat and say I don't want to lose any of them. I think if you're gonna lose a game, honestly, if you're gonna lose one game, I'd rather not be to any of those teams. I'd rather it be an upset to NC State in Game Three. You know what I mean? Right. Or or you know you lose to Louisville on the road. You know because you were down some guys, and then you follow that up by beating USC and and Clemson. I mean that's that's been the formula in the past, right? I mean Ohio State would beat Michigan and beat Penn State, Michigan State when they were good, but then they'd go lose to Purdue or Iowa or something like that, you know, and uh, Clemson, the year that they won the title, lost at home in November to Pitt and still got to the playoff. They lost yeah. a four and eight game. They lost to a four and eight Syracuse team in 2017 and still made the playoff, but they beat all the good teams and that's why they got in the playoff. So, yeah, I mean, because I, I don't care who Notre Dame loses to, Ryan. If they beat Ohio State, Clemson, and USC, I don't see how 11-1 and one Notre Dame's not in the playoff. I don't care who they Agreed. lose to. I, I just don't there. see it. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I think it's a Give me the good, good wins place. over the – Yeah. Yes. Give me the good wins over the over the bad losses. Agree 100%. I, yeah. I think that's a great way to wrap us up today. We want to thank everybody before we get out of here. Thank you so much for the questions, being with us today. Before you leave, do not leave yet. Six o'clock tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and hit that notification bell so that it brings it right to you. Hit that like button, of course, as always. If you're listening to us on one of your favorite podcast platforms, five-star reviews are very much appreciated. Please go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. You know that there is going to be more and more official visits set up, more team intel for the offseason. A lot of some great information that you want to go to. Yes, and yeah, some new I'm film I'm going to have rooms. another one up today, by the way. Nice. Brian, make sure to check out Brian's film rooms as well. He just had a couple great pieces on Sam Hartman and his deep ball. Some nice cut-ups on there. So things that you're not going to get just at irishbreakdown.com. Yeah. So you need to go subscribe right. at boards at irishbreakdown.com. You won't get so, it here on the show. You won't get it at irishbreakdown.com. It's, only, it's all 22. It's only on the message board. And it's incredibly affordable. So make sure you go check out boards at irishbreakdown.com. So from Brian, I am Ryan. We want to thank you all again so much for joining us today on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.